This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What? I don't have an intro, my audience, because we are like two hours and change into talking (laughs) about George Lincoln Rockwell, and I am, I'm just broken as a man. You're a little beat. There's only, I... I have to fix myself somehow. I have to. I have to get myself back in the fight. I think mm-hmm. this cathartic release of pent up information and frustration will be good. You know what else might be good? You know what might get me back on track oh. so we can do this last part? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I picked a particularly oh. savory looking. Oh yeah. my mouth just started to salivate. One. Look at how oh, much that's got yeah. flavor. <laughs> that on is it, man. dusted. That with is that flavor. Is <laughs> cut your tongue up. All right. All right. All right. Mm. Beautiful. I can taste that. Mm. Mmm. Now I'm jealous. Mm, you can have a Dorito. Mm-hmm. As many as you want. One bite, one cream. There are so many Doritos. <laughs> you have to listen to the last one to know. Let's see, okay. But you shouldn't be listening to three without two. Right, don't listen to part three. If you're... Oh, Katie, that was a perfect crunch. I do apologize to, uh, to to Molly and my other listeners who hate the sound of crunching Doritos. Is there a specific person who's like, I don't like when you crunch She's Doritos? She's great. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't like the sound of crunching Doritos. Sorry, Molly. <laughs> All right. We're done with the crunching of Doritos. If you one took crunch, your... one cream. One there crunch, one Sorry, cream. Yeah. Yep. Rhymes better. <clears throat> I do keep singing it in my head to yeah, different tunes, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. One crunch, <laughs> one cream. Ew, ew, cut that. <laughs> I crunch and cream in the night, so I can, so I can. <laughs> I, 
so sorry. I brought this on everybody. I'm tremendously sorry. <laughs> this, this is terrible. It's still the, this cream, which needs to be refrigerated, is still on the table. It's 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 Does still it there. It was it was behind the sink like it was soap. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought it in. I do wash my hands with mm-hmm. hazelnut cream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's today's episode. Of behind the bad sure, truth, sure, which sure. I did not even introduce. <laughs> but yeah. That is what we're doing right now. This you is, know where you are. This yeah. is a podcast where we talk about terrible people, and we're talking about one of the worst real, that there's ever been. Real bad. The the fucking J.R.R. Tolkien of racism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, what's another foundational? The Bill Gates oh, of ooh. also racism. The uh, the Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs of American I'm fascism. Sorry, you mean Steve Apple? <laughs> Steve <laughs> Apple. Oh. Uh. George Lincoln Rockwell. Now, in episode one and two, we talked about Rockwell's life, his stunning variety of innovations, Oof. which we're not at the bottom of yet. Uh, um, I want to be at the bottom. You, of it, you really want to be at the bottom. Uh. And of course, we talked about his death, where he was murdered by one of his followers who went on to become not a Nazi. Mm-hmm. 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 That And his um, classically handsome bone structure. And his classically handsome sure. bone structure. Yeah, great. We're not, we don't hate his bone structure. No, no, no. no, no. no. Taller than Hitler, too. Taller I'm than Hitler, too, which is, which is important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For America, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be amazing if that's the one. If that, like, if you transplanted Hitler in America, the only reason he did wouldn't take off is oh, he's too <laughs> it's short. Too short. I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> the Germans are just not shallow enough to. <laughs> no, we can embrace a short fascist. <laughs> I love this. It's like embracing that slogan. Mm-hmm. Vote for me. Taller than Hitler. <laughs> Taller than Hitler. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about Rockwell's legacy. Mm. In addition to obviously the legacy of trolling college campuses for donations, Holocaust denial, neo-Nazism, we're talking about a much more complex and bloody legacy. All of that. A legacy that ties in literally every act of far-right violent terror you have heard about in your entire lives! They all descend from GLR. In the early 1980s, a far-right radical named Robert J. Matthews created what he called an action group. Its original name was The Organization, but eventually he settled on calling it The Order. He recruited a small squad of others. <laughs> oh, just wait. It's even losery than you understand Jesus. right now. He recruited a small squad of other like-minded men. The Order was a fascist white supremacist terror group. Its goal was to destabilize the fabric of American society through violent attacks. The Order funded its operations by robbing banks and armored cars. <laughs> They carried uh-huh. out three murders, including the highly publicized assassination of Jewish-American radio host Alan Berg in 1984. The order was eventually infiltrated and wiped out by the FBI. Matthews died fighting after a 36-hour-long standoff. While they did not succeed at destroying the fabric of American society, the order did steal millions of dollars, at least a million of which was never recovered by the authorities, and probably went on to finance further fascist terror. Thirteen white supremacist leaders were prosecuted for taking Matthew's money, so it's anyone's guess as to how many other violent racists he funded. They committed like 20-something robberies that were successful. Robert J. Matthews never met George Lincoln Rockwell, but the commander had a strong impact on his life nonetheless. This was thanks to a book, The Turner Diaries, written by William Luther Pierce. Pierce had started life in 1933 as a quiet kind of geeky kid. He later described himself as sort of a nerdy kid without social skills. <laughs> he was awkward around girls and obsessed with science fiction. When he grew up, he became a pretty good physicist. All right. 
Pierce became aware of Rockwell in 1963 when he saw the commander on TV addressing a crowd of protesters. According to one of Pierce's co-workers, who was interviewed later by the FBI, quote, he was looking for a simple solution to the problems of the world. Mm. That's eism provides Sim- that. Simple solutions to complex mm-hmm. problems. Just blame it all on the people with three uh, little things around their oh, names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there is a report, The Turner Legacy, published by the International Center for Counterterrorism. Here's how it summarizes the path of Pierce's radicalization. Quote, You can do nothing until you've reached the masses, Rockwell explained in an interview. In order to reach them without money, without status, without a public platform, you have to become a dramatic figure. Intrigued, Pierce wrote a letter to Rockwell, and they struck up a correspondence. In 1965, Pierce moved from academia to work with a defense contractor in Connecticut, and he began driving on weekends to the Washington, D.C. area, where Rockwell was based. He also spent time at the Yale University Library, reading alarmist books about racial trends, many dating back to the 1920s and 30s. As his relationship with Rockwell was blooming, Pierce was granted a secret government clearance through his job, although he never worked on a classified project. He rarely displayed his racism to co-workers. When the FBI opened an investigation of Rockwell's American Nazi party, agents spoke to his former colleagues. Many found him distant and impenetrable and expressed their intense dislike of him as a person. Nevertheless, they conceded he was a first-class physicist. Doc, yeah. Okay. Science. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just science. It's just science. It's just science. science. Race science. Mm. In 1966, Pierce was responsible for launching National Socialist World, a quarterly journal of all things Nazi. The NSW eventually attracted more than 1,000 subscribers. It was one of Rockwell's AMP's few profitable endeavors. After Rockwell's assassination, Pierce went on to found a group called the National Alliance, but his true love was writing unspeakably racist fiction. In 1978, he published his opus, The Turner Diaries. Pierce imagined a near-future world in 1991 when a new American government called The System enforced racial (laughs) integration. Since Pierce was a Nazi, he imagined the system as run by Jewish people with black people as their enforcers. The system, in the Turner Diaries, is portrayed as the ultimate far-right fantasy of a far-left government. Tax breaks for mixed-race couples, the repeal of rape laws because they're seen as affronts to race and gender equality, and, of course, gun confiscation. Mm. The book is written as a series of diary entries from a man, Earl Turner, who joins a terrorist group called The Order and takes part in a violent revolution to conquer the United States for white people. The Order funded itself through bank and armored car robberies. They assassinated left-wing and Jewish politicians and media personalities and bombed government buildings. This eventually sparked a gigantic race war, leading to a global genocide of all non-white peoples and the establishment of a Caucasoid utopia. This was the happy ending of the book? Yeah, that's the happy ending of the book. It's not explicitly Nazi through most of it, but at the end they refer to something happening as being 130 years after the birth of the Great One, which is, of course, Adolf Hitler. Um, yeah, he's a nerd. <laughs> like he- Self-admitted, a sci-fi nerd who was bad with women who went on to write racist science fiction Yeah, fantasy. you have to be a Nazi nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird yeah. how that keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Despite its terrible plot, just a nice guy. Just a nice guy. <laughs> Girls don't like me. Physics. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with physics. Nothing's wrong with physics. Despite its terrible plot, absurd racism, and clunky style, the Turner Diaries include some pretty apt observances about the nature of terrorism. In one passage, Turner notes that the system furthers its own destruction by reacting to the order's terrorism by instituting emergency powers and clamping down on individual liberties. Turner also discusses the idea of propaganda of the deed, which started with anarchists in like the 1800s and is why President McKinley did not finish his term. The organization 
prioritizes attacks that do economic damage, like bank robbery, because those things make middle-class white people the most frightened and uncomfortable. Quote, What is really precious to the average American is not his freedom or his honor or the future of his race, but his paycheck. He complained when the system began busing his kids to black schools 20 years ago, but he was allowed to keep his station wagon and his fiberglass speedboat, so he didn't fight. Not surprisingly, The Turner Diaries was Robert Matthews' favorite book. It directly inspired the creation of his own The Order. Mm -hmm. The Turner Diaries was required reading among the terrorists Matthew recruited. According to the Turner legacy, quote, when he recruited a former Klansman, Thomas Martinez, into the group, he did so by handing over a copy of Turner, one of the scores that he kept in storage. Members of the group referred to the book as their Bible. Tom, in there is what the future will be, Matthews told Martinez. You must read it. You must. Mm. Bet it doesn't go much further than that. I We're done, right? We're done. That's it. Thanks That's for the episode. Do you guys want to throw in your, <laughs> yeah. uh, your, uh, your, uh, your Twitters? And... Unpluggables? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's read the next paragraph, see if there's anything else. During his time in the ANP, Pierce had come to believe that the showy displays of white nationalism, the swastikas and Klan robes then in vogue, alienated what he called normal people. Near the end of his life, Rockwell had been making the exact same moves, (laughs) engaging in a process of denazification to try and appeal to more mainstream white people. The normies, they might call them. The normies. They might call them normies. They might Mm. call them Mm. trying to red pill them about (laughs) white power. Obviously, the Turner Diaries did not have that much more mainstream appeal than Rockwell's ANP, but it did succeed in appealing to a broader base of radicals than, say, Stormtrooper magazine. One of those radicals was a young man named Timothy McVeigh. Uh-huh. The Turner Diaries was Timothy McVeigh's very favorite book. Now, McVeigh was not an ideological racist first and foremost. He definitely ran with and was associated with some racist groups, but he was more of an anti-government pro-gun nut than like a specific Nazi nut or anything like that. Uh, And he was, of course, a lone wolf. Um, But he did hate the government. He viewed it as a nightmarish monster bent on stamping out all human liberty, and he saw the Turner Diaries as an entertaining blueprint for how that monster might be killed. The structure of McVeigh's attack on the Murrah Building in Oklahoma City was directly inspired by a passage from the Turner Diaries. At one point, Earl Sell bombs the FBI headquarters, which is, of course, the first place that Tim McVeigh thought about bombing Mm -hmm. before he decided the Murrah building would be easier. Pierce goes on into exhaustive detail about the bomb that they used to blow up the FBI building, a truck bomb made with 4,400 pounds of ammonium nitrate, essentially the same device McVeigh constructed and used to destroy the Murrah building. Cool, cool, cool. On the day McVeigh detonated his bomb, killing 168 people, he put together a manifesto in an envelope in his car and included many photocopied pages of the Turner Diaries. McVeigh had highlighted one passage in particular from a chunk of the book where Earl Turner's cell carries out a mortar attack on Washington, D.C. Quote, The real value of our attacks today lies in the psychological impact, not in the immediate casualties. More important, though, is what we taught the politicians and the bureaucrats. They learned this afternoon that not one of them is beyond our reach. They can huddle behind barbed wire and tanks in the city, and they can hide behind the concrete walls of their country estates, but we can still find them and kill them. That's what McVeigh highlighted after Mm. blowing up the Oklahoma City bombing, which included a daycare full of babies. Mm. Weird way to read that line. You know, we all we have both are just interpretation like interpretation <laughs> of words we read. Mm-hmm. We all have different uh, reactions to art. Mm-hmm. That's um, a gracious interpretation yeah. of the Turner Diaries. <laughs> trying, trying, trying real hard to... In 1994, <clears throat> a year before McVeigh's attack, the Aryan Republican Army carried out a series of bank robberies. 
inspired by both Matthew's Reel the Order and the order from Pierce's book. Some of those people were later linked to the Oklahoma City bombing. The ARA put out a two-hour video statement at one point that urged people to read the Turner Diaries. They also stand hard for Christian identity, which is an incredibly important ideological movement that's also tied into all of this, and that we'll get into more in the uh, audiobook that I'm putting together. Uh, we'll talk about that some and get the end, too. Um, the Aryan Republican Army carried out 22 robberies in seven states before the FBI took them down. They were succeeded by another terrorist group, the Aryan People's Republic, who carried out a murder, bombing, and robbery campaign in 1997 that killed five and ended in a massive police shootout. Both groups were, of course, directly inspired by the Turner Diaries. On April 12, 1997, Larry Wayne Schumach of Jackson, Mississippi, shot 11 black people, killing one. When interviewed later, his friends and family all said he'd undergone a sudden shift towards violent radicalism after reading The Turner Diaries. I'm and sensing a through line here. <laughs> <laughs> might be one there. You might be reading into things a little bit. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I'm just acknowledging a pattern. You know? <laughs> In 1998... Three white dudes in Jasper, Texas, chained a black man to the back of their pickup truck and dragged him down the road, horrifically torturing and killing him. One of the men gave this statement to the police. We're starting the Turner Diaries early. Uh... That is technically incorrect because the Turner Diaries was set in 1991. <laughs> but, you know, racist and math. I don't feel like he said, that's sorry, going to change it, his mind. Say, we're finally starting We're finally. The that, would have, that would have been the right way for this um, murder. Actually... <laughs> Technically. That would have been one of the cops who read the Turner right, Diaries. Right, right. <laughs> in 1999, David Copeland, a British man, set off several shrapnel bombs in London. His targets were black and gay people. He killed three and injured 140. In his confession to the police, Copeland said, If you've read the Turner Diaries, you know in the year 2000 there will be the uprising and all that racial violence on the streets. My aim was political. It was to cause a racial war in this country. Year 2000? The list goes on and on and on. And on. There have been fatal attacks in Germany, Ukraine, and many, many more attacks in the United States by people who claim the Turner Diaries as their direct inspiration. As of 2016, the book has been tied to more than 200 murders and dozens upon dozens of separate attacks and foiled attacks. Christopher Hassan, the Coast Guard lieutenant who was caught in 2019 before he would carry out his planned massacre, was a huge fan of the Turner Diaries. Huh. William Pierce died in 2002 of being an old-ass piece of shit. Mm. Before he died, though, he gave interviews to a biographer. In those, he was questioned about some of the attacks his book had inspired. When he was asked about Robert Matthews, founder of the Order, he said this. Bob was a very intense young man and quite different from the weaklings I see so many of in America today. Bob was obviously very much taken with the Turner Diaries, and it was clear he drew a lot of the elements from the book and the way he did things and the term terminology he used and so on. <laughs> and it. so forth. And so forth. That's not it. Okay. The Turner legacy went on to note, quote, Pierce eulogized Matthews repeatedly in interviews and on shortwave broadcasts of his National Alliance's radio program. With McVeigh, the calculus was more complicated, the backlash more severe. Pierce took pains to say that he had never met McVeigh, and there is no direct evidence to say otherwise, although McVeigh's telephone records presented in court showed that he made efforts to contact the National Alliance prior to the bombing. Pierce was defensive about whether and how specifically McVeigh's actions could said to be have been inspired by the book, despite a mountain of evidence pointing towards its relevance. Waco was the inspiration for Oklahoma City, Pierce argued, <laughs> not his book. What? They both were. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, read your book, man. But, but I mean, he had, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he used the same bomb that it's you described in loving detail. You did yeah. just say he had the highlighted pages, right? Yep. In so, his manifesto after the bombing. I don't know. That seems like a pretty. Mm. Clear seems, link. Seems like McVeigh said they were tied. Oh. Well, maybe the uh, blatant racist isn't great on understanding evidence. 
well, begin with. That so. seems weird. Mm. Mm. We could talk about William Pierce and the Turner Diaries all day. You'll get more on that in the uh, audiobook thing that I'm shamelessly plugging still. <laughs> shamelessly. But this episode is, above all else, about George Lincoln Rockwell's intellectual legacy, and that legacy is a lot bigger than the trail of blood Bill Pierce left behind. James Nolan Mason was born in 1952. He grew up in Chillicothe, Ohio, and mm. like William Pierce, he saw lurid news coverage of Rockwell's rallies and speeches. Mason became enthralled with the American Fuhrer. At age 14, he started sending him letters. Rockwell wrote back, and Mason became a member of the A&P Youth Organization. When he turned 18, he was inducted as a full stormtrooper. Mm -hmm. After Rockwell died, Mason moved on to the National Socialist Liberation Front, and eventually formed a group called the Universal Order. <laughs> In the 1980s, he started writing a series of papers for a neo-Nazi newsletter, Siege. In those articles, he advocated for what he called leaderless resistance, autonomous terrorist action by individuals and small groups rather than coordinated large-scale movements because the FBI kept infiltrating mm -hmm. those. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, on the subject of the FBI infiltrating people, oh, yeah. you guys remember Trooper Oak? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Previously Pine? He no. was Birch, a Birchman, Birchman, right? Birchman. 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 Birchman or something Birchman, like that. Yeah. He was actually like a college student researching violent extremism who went undercover in the group to like write about them and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, they got infiltrated a number of times. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good oh, stuff. My man Oak. Oh, my, man my man Oak. Oak. All right. Because <laughs> Birch is too sissy. Yeah, it's too, it's too close to <laughs> He was like, Birch, yeah, the whatever. coward's tree. <laughs> <laughs> It's all making sense. <laughs> uh, weak ass tree. Nah, you're an oak <laughs> and a cop, apparently. <laughs> and but, a cop. Uh... Well, uh, countering violent extremism researcher. Yeah, good sure. guy. Sure, 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 Thanks, sure. Trooper Oak. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Mister Burchard. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the, not the, the tool, tool yeah, and ads. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, but a you might be able to buy one. Oh I, yeah, I don't know what these ads are for. Maybe they're ads for ads. Maybe they're ads for ads. Let's hear them. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time. 
and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we were having a fun little break chat about all the kids in cages. cages. Not cages. You're right. Areas. areas. Areas that are caged. Yes. For C- safety. For safety. Safety boxes. Safety boxes. I wouldn't use the word cage. I of would course use the cage. I would safety use the safety <laughs> kid safety boxes. Cage. A pen. A pen for kids. A, a crib. Cute little metal crib. A cute little metal crib. Mm-hmm. We put them kids. in nurseries mm-hmm. with bars. Mm-hmm. With bars. Bard nurseries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get let's get let's get back to talking about James Nolan Mason. Good. So uh, Mason started writing for after Rockwell died, and he left. Started writing for a, 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 a neo-Nazi newsletter called Siege, and you know, advocated for leaderless resistance and stuff like that. Many of his writings were collected into a book, also called Siege. Here is a quote from that book. The lone wolf cannot be detected, cannot be prevented, and seldom can be traced. If I were asked by anyone of my opinion on what to look for or hope for, next I would tell them a wave of killings or assassinations. 
of system bureaucrats by roving gunmen who have their strategy well mapped out in advance and well nigh impossible to stop. I should note here that Chris Hassan's planned shooting spree <laughs> of, uh, you could call them bureaucrats, mm. elected political officials and journalists and the like, mm. uh, people know it was stopped. Uh, right. I think a lot of people think it was stopped because the FBI was out looking for uh, white nationalist, you know, terrorists. Infiltrating right? these organizations, as mm-hmm. they've said that they have been. No. He was caught because he was buying tramadol on his work computer. He was illegally buying painkillers, and that's the only reason well, he got caught. Far they, less. They sexy. found out about the massacre by accident. Well, I didn't. Yeah, that was an that's, accident. Oh, <laughs> that was a to- totally just a happy accident. They were just busting him for drugs. Oh, that's such a bummer. Oh my god, <laughs> it's totally a bummer. I feel safe. <laughs> oh, I, I god. feel safe. It's a real problem. <laughs> there were a lot of DSA people on his kill list. Some people are saying, if you are in the DSA, maybe arm yourself. I'm not saying arm yourself. I'm saying the the police aren't really good at catching the, the Nazis who want to kill you. The Nazis There's in that. their own organizations <laughs> who like actively has have said in many many years mm-hmm. that they're going to try to infiltrate law enforcement organizations in the military yeah. For these purposes. I'll say self-defense is important for anyone, especially the politically active, and there's mm-hmm. a variety of pathways to self-defense, so mm-hmm. consider how you plan to defend yourself. Consider. Consider. Maybe with just, love. Maybe, with love. Maybe with love. Sometimes. Sometimes that works. Mm-hmm. With my feet and my fists. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe body armor. Never bad thing maybe to have around. Protection. Maybe just yeah. A little bit of body armor learn, here and there. Learn a, little, learn a little mutual aid in case something bad happens. Mutual aid. Maybe to, mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. 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 Magic. 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 Magic would help. Magic would help. Magic would help. Oh, Harry Potter would be real useful right yeah. about now. Like a like if like a, like a grand like a wizard. Like a Whoa, like wait, a, uh, 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 a, no, 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 no. Is that no? No. Too no. far, too far. Too not use the words right? Yeah, it, well, you used them uh, maybe a warlock like a, of some sort. Like a warlock. <laughs> maybe a warlock. Like a great warlock. A great warlock. A great warlock. A solid maybe, warlock. Yeah, not a grand wizard. Not, for whatever not, for whatever reason not that a was grand a poor choice wizard. of words. <laughs> Still not clear why, but... (laughs) Not clear why, don't know why, but I'll adjust. Back on the subject of siege, on March 1st, 2018, Adam Waffen burst onto the American consciousness with the murder of Blaise Bernstein, a student at the University of Pennsylvania. Bernstein's murder was tied to a member of the group Adam Waffen, because Blaise was homosexual and Jewish, and basically the distillation of everything Nazis hate. British journalist Jake Hanrahan did a lot of that reporting, by the way. Uh, He's got a podcast, Popular Front, that's really worth checking out. He's a great guy. Anyway, Adam Waffen is a multinational terrorist group that sprang up like mushrooms on the damp bathroom floor of the internet. There are somewhere around 20 cells, perhaps more, perhaps less, mostly small groups all around the United States and in Germany. Five deaths have so far been tied to Adam Waffen. One other thing Adam Waffen did was republish James Mason's Siege, a book they basically consider their Bible. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, Siege has not yet inspired as much direct violence as the Turner Diaries. That would be hard to do. It was sort of rediscovered pretty recently, starting on the old neo-Nazi forum Iron March. Over the last several years, a whole online subculture has spread out around the book. If you spend a lot of time reading messages from members of the Bowl Patrol, for example, they bring up Siege all the time. You guys know about the Bowl Patrol? I don't. No. You guys know about Dylan Roof? Yes. Yeah, the guy who in 2015 walked into a black church in Charleston and murdered nine people. He had a bowl haircut. And so there's people online who call him Saint Roof and... They call themselves the Bull Patrol because they, too, would really like to uh, murder bunch a bunch of black people in a losers. church. My God. And they love Siege. Big fans of Siege. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Who's publishing these books still? Adam Waffen. Adam Waffen. Adam yeah. Waffen's publishing them. 
That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Um, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> so, yeah, the Bowl Patrol and Adam Waffen both bring up Siege a lot. There's also a YouTube channel I found called Read Siege. Uh, they've put up dozens of videos that have racked up more than 35,000 views, which is not a lot for a YouTube channel, but is a lot for homicidal Nazi propaganda. Yeah, to think yeah. about 35,000 people that... Well, probably just a couple thousand. Like... Just a couple thousand just mass couple shooters, thousands, Katie. Just a couple. How many? That's not that many mass shooters. Just a couple thousand fans of a mass shooter. It's also and, the, like, and a mass shooter book. And mass shooter book. Mm-hmm. Um, the the so the bull, bull patrol is specifically Dylan Roof. There's also yeah. who's that incel from like three or four years ago? Uh, uh, Elliot Rogers. Elliot Rogers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Saint they, Roger. This, they also he's got the same, do, do the like, same kind thing. of fan base, and they're all kind yeah. of gradually morphing, like like congealing together right, into the right, same right. broader ecosystem of people who are probably going to shoot up a bunch of innocent people. Right, here's point. my resentment, here's your yeah. resentment. What if we all are all resentful together? And what if we all convince each other that the Jews are a part of it, mm-hmm. which is increasingly mm, a fact. Yeah, yeah. weird how it always gets back to Nazis. Mm. Like, uh, It is weird. You scratch any of these groups of like psychotic kids who want to murder a bunch of strangers, and you always keep, keep finding Nazis. Yeah, they fear the same thing, and they want the same thing. Yep. Mm. Weird. Weird, weird. Although all of this news makes it way easier for me to understand stuff like, you know, you, you read about the Holocaust, and it's like, how'd you find all those people willing to work at those camps? Oh, oh, right. oh there's oh, yeah. a shitload of them. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha. And they're yeah. easily sort of moved uh, yeah. across You can do a lot of stuff and, yeah. with them. There's but... a lot of maneuvering that can be done with those kinds yeah. of people. Yeah, Cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. So, uh, the Reed Siege YouTube channel uh, has titles in it like The Lost White Civilization of China and a 37 minute (laughs) 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 we're going past it (laughs) and a 37 minute video titled who were the Jews? Oh, <laughs> oh, I bet it's informative. I bet, it's informative. I bet, you, I bet, you, I bet you find out. <laughs> I bet yeah. you find out a lot. Many of their videos are just readings from pages of Siege. I would like to play a chunk from one of those videos titled, What Can We Dispense With? President to dog catcher, they are all the same bureaucratic sellout swine. No distinctions are to be drawn. Meaningless considerations of parties, of left and right, and even individual identities, names, etc., are simply not to be used. To kill an ism, you have to kill the ists. Uh, <laughs> see. So to kill anti-Semitism, I have to kill anti-Semists. Maybe that's right. Uh, no. Yeah. I bring this up because it highlights an important difference between the mentalities nurtured by Siege and the Turner Diaries. Adam Waffen, the most directly Siege-inspired extremist group, is nihilistic often suicidally, though. Mm. Their name is the German word for atomic weapons because their whole deal is trying to bring about and eagerly awaiting the destruction of all society. Mm-hmm. And they have these weird ties now between like all these left and right-wing like eco-terrorist groups mm-hmm. and like eco-fascist groups and like these leftist groups that started us with like anarchists, like individuals tending towards the wild or starting to share more neo-Nazi propaganda. It's weird. Because they all but, kind of, not the exact same goal, but they're kind of They related. all want to yeah. fucking kill everything. Yeah. And and that's what Siege is the book for. Turner Diaries is the book for people who are not nihilists. They want to build something. They want to build right. something mm-hmm. by destroying something. Right. They want to build something. Siege is the book of like, fuck it. Yeah. And I think that the reason the Turner Diaries killed more people up until now is that now is the time of fuck it. Right, mm-hmm. right. We, we Yeah, like all yeah. these stories you were telling were like, oh yeah, 90s, like mm-hmm. there's a different, there's right. a different 
yeah kind of attitude about it and now yeah. we were all mo- even even the nazi terrorists were more optimistic right, in right. the 90s like, no, no, no. We, can, <laughs> I mean, we, can, we can build something <laughs> together build something together yeah now it's burn it all down now yeah. it's burn it all down interesting the Turner Diaries was able to radicalize a guy like Timothy McVeigh because at its core, the book is not nihilistic. Uh, the diaries are good at inspiring wannabe revolutionaries to carry out violent actions. Siege is more suited to the kind of suicidal extremists that groups like ISIS also seek to radicalize. And by the way, Adam often loves them some ISIS too. Mm-hmm. Share okay. a lot of ISIS videos. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's basically tailor-made propaganda for the kind of 20-something young men who become mass shooters. I will talk much more about Siege in the uh, book I'm shamelessly plugging. Uh, <laughs> it's not shameless. This is your podcast. This is my podcast. And it's completely related to yeah. this exact topic. But let's get back to Rockwell. Rockwell, George Lincoln, did not come up with the ideas of leaderless resistance or lone wolf terrorism himself. Good did, for him. He did not write the Turner Diaries or Siege, but he directly inspired and radicalized the men who did. If you scratch any ideological precept of modern fascism, you eventually wind up back at George Lincoln Rockwell. For example, you all know about 1488? Of course I do. And the significance of those numbers to Nazis? Yeah. It's basically, for the listeners who may not know, it's a way to, it's a covert way for Nazis to signal their Nazism without directly putting a swastika on their clothing or body. The 88 stands for Heil Hitler because H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, and the 14 words are as follows. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. That phrase was first written by David Lane, a member of Robert Matthews' criminal gang, the order. Mm. While he was in prison, Lane also wrote a three-page tract called White Genocide Manifesto. According to The Atlantic, it argued, quote, racial integration is only an euphemism for genocide and that the white race is on the verge of extinction due to interbreeding with other races. Fucking stupid idiots. I told you white genocide was going to come moronic losers and their stupid dog shit ideas (laughs) about everything. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It's a conspiracy yep. to get rid of. It's not like the natural thing that humans do. I, I yeah, it's all fear-based. It's oh it's, it's saying like I don't want to be treated like I treat people. It's the same I thing. I feel like I'm going to get overrun and mm-hmm. I'm not going to have my power and I'm afraid. Then, I'm afraid, afraid, afraid. The next time you hear white genocide out of the mouth of somebody trying to claim that they're like a relatively reasonable person, yeah. remind them the phrase was invented by a bank robber yeah. who got in prison for bank robbery because he joined a group that was inspired by a bad science fiction I will novel. say that if right. someone's talking about white genocide uh, yeah, positively, probably. they probably don't care. They probably don't care, but fair. like, like yeah. so. Yeah, bank yeah. robbing Nazis. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on your great idea, buddy. <laughs> you stupid, it's the same stupid. Thing, um, there's like a, a Holocaust uh, historian who was talking about this and like the like fascist of today mm-hmm. and how like it's just like when they talk about globalism, it's like it's like a conspiracy to like control everybody as opposed to like well no like we're all connected more yeah and like you have the internet and you have all these sort of ways that we can Where communicate. Where do you think your coffee so, like, comes from, it's bro? The <laughs> natural <laughs> progression of like a species on a planet. Yeah. Um, I look so forward to less white faces as people like we're gonna be so much more attractive. Well, like just like the, <laughs> and uh, have better immune systems. And right, have better the immune basics systems. of diversity and evolution. It's uh, it's these people. I ooh. Mm hmm. So uh, if you've ever heard the phrase "white genocide" or seen a 1488 tattoo, you mm. can thank at least half of that for David Lane. And Lane, of course, was directly inspired by William Luther Pierce, who was radicalized and molded by George Lincoln Rockwell. There he is again. It always mm-hmm. comes back. Yeah. Like, well, it's like a John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt mm-hmm. for Nazis. But with Nazis. Yeah. You know what's not for Nazis? 
the wonderful products and services that support this show and her program. Sophie's checking her phone out, so I think I can get away with that one. Nice. And products! When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. 
my friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back! Yay! You guys happy to be here? Yeah. Y'all heard of Matthew Heimbach? No. He's the founder of the now-defunct Traditionalist Worker Party uh, and one of the forces behind the first deadly Unite the Right rally. Uh, He was a lot more prominent in the alt-right until after the Unite the Right rally in, like, in 2017 uh, or 2018, he... uh, he got caught sleeping with the uh, the wife of his spokesman, a guy named Matthew That's Parrott. The guy. That's yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh man! And the the nickname some people came up with for for that whole event, which led to the destruction of the TWP. It's beautiful. The the night of wrong wives. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, that's so good. That's, that's all so it took to break them apart. Wow. Oh, that's so good. Oh, they're oh. well clever can it, you get. Re- really smart. Really, really good that joke. Is, yeah. I don't know who made it. Might have been a Nazi. Might Still a, a good Nazi. joke. Very Still funny. a really good joke. Oh, good. Now, Matthew Heimbach was for a while the most or one of the most notorious uh, white supremacists in the country. He gained notoriety early on in the mid-aughts as the young, media-savvy face of white nationalism. One of his innovations in terms of presenting fascism to Americans was to focus on racial separatism instead of white supremacy. Heimbach went out of his way to say that whites are not inherently superior. Richard Spencer mm-hmm. preached a broadly similar gospel, at least to reporters. Rockwell was more openly racist and fascist than either of those men, but he pioneered the use of the tactic they both used. We can see the seeds of this strategy in his support for the Nation of Islam and black nationalism. Rockwell told a reporter at the time that his only disagreement with the Nation of Islam was, quote, they want a chunk of America, and I prefer that they go to Africa. Mm. Heimbach basically refined that to, I think they should stay in predominantly black areas like Detroit and rural America should stay white. In a very real way, Rockwell represents a bridge between the original Nazis, Hitler and crew, and modern neo-Nazis and fascists in America. I spent quite a lot of time reading through Unicorn Riot's archives of fascist discord conversations, mostly from members of the groups that planned the first deadly Unite the Right rally. These people talk about Rockwell, or GLR, pretty regularly. Here's one quote. Today is the birthday of Commander George Lincoln Rockwell. Honor this man by cooking a steak, celebrating National Socialism, pride in being white, and calling your neighbor an N-word. Here I have linked a playlist to a series of videos about George Lincoln Rockwell that you can play throughout the day. Personally, I'm having a cookout with some edgy friends, and I'm going to be blasting this shit. (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, Cody's funny. Cody Cody might die. (laughs) What do you mean, my edgy friends? Barbecue and listen to a Nazi. Oh my god, these losers. Right, sorry. We have a barbecue and play the words of a Nazi who's been dead for 60 years. Edgy. Me, me, my edgy friend. All right. 
I, I love I think I he has a it. different definition of edgy than I do. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a loser. Have fun and always remember, and he quotes from Rockwell here, life is a struggle, even to stand up is a struggle against the law of gravity. And I think that the joy of life is in the struggle itself, not the victory. Because if it were, we'd all lose. We're all going to croak. We all lose the battle of life. So if you can't find some fun in the fight to live and live to the fullest, then you're a failure already before you even start. Live hey. life for the fullest. Yeah. Heil Hitler. And have some fun oh. while you're at it, y'all. Oh. Have, have some fun while you are making racist banners to troll Martin Luther yes. King Jr. with. With your edgy not, friends. With your edgy friends. If you're not having fun, what's the point? With your edgy friends like the guy in the gorilla costume. <laughs> and the dude who shoots you in a couple of years. Sure, sure. Yeah, real, real edgy. Like a bunch of edgelords just killing each other. <laughs> And, oh god! And you had to explicitly say like me and my we're like edgy, edgy. we're edgy, edgy. Oh, I love it. I also love that like there's uh the whole like I just think that they should stay where they are. We should stay. We're not superior. That's literally uh Hitler quote, uh of him saying like no, I don't think we're superior. I think like Chinese people stay in China. Mm-hmm. You stay where you. Japanese people stay in Japan. Yeah, that's all I think. Hey, hey, the Axis was a multiracial empire. It, see, mm-hmm. You see, you see, you mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. It included. All the races. Right. Germans, Germans, Italians, Japanese people. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole spectrum. My edgy Japanese friends. <laughs> there was My also edgy that Italian friends. One group of Indian soldiers. Yep. There you go. Yeah. The huh. Ind- Indish Legion. They were just, they hated Britain. Hitler okay. wasn't racist, yeah. confirmed. Yeah, that, that is actually how that's been turned into. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, I also hate the internet. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, there, I'm there too. Countercurrents.com, a Nazi website for fucking Nazis, commissioned an article on Rockwell in honor of his birthday, written by Gregory Hood, author of a book called Rockwell Was Right. So Gregory Hood's analysis is, uh, is interesting to me. Quote, Rockwell's National Socialism was not an ideology so much as a tactic, an attempt to build a fighting conservatism capable of defeating the militant left. Rather than Nietzsche, Baron Evola, or even Alfred Rosenberg, the greatest influences on George Lincoln Rockwell were Senator Joe McCarthy, Douglas MacArthur, and even William F. Buckley. His inability to rally the American right marks a milestone in white political activism, as George Lincoln Rockwell is the bridge between patriotic racial conservatism and revolutionary white nationalism. Not wrong. Not wrong. Not relevant. Uh, didn't make me think of a lot of stuff today. Constantly. Uh, just, just a random quote from just a, a random person. Random quote from a random Nazi website. <sighs> this is why a guy like Rockwell can influence both explicit neo-Nazi terrorists and much more moderate, less murderous groups mm. like the Proud Boys. <laughs> if you spend any time hanging out with the Proud Boys or watching Patriot Prayer rallies or watching videos posted by either of these groups, members of them will regularly and proudly describe themselves as anti-communist. Mm-hmm. If you go any to any of these bloody rallies, as I have, you will see anti-communist action shirts, and you will hear the phrase anti-communist or anti-com bandied about constantly. In June of 1960, George Lincoln Rockwell <laughs> went to court to defend his application to march at Union Square in New York City. There were huge protests of his presence, some of which disrupted the court proceedings. A recess was called, and Rockwell took the opportunity to go out and speak to some of the waiting TV cameras. According to the book For Race and Nation, quote, Rockwell told television reporters that the ANP was growing every minute, but that his goals had been misrepresented by newspapers. Contrary to newspaper reports, we are not trying to exterminate anybody, but we are trying to eliminate communism. We want to shock the American people into the awareness of the extreme danger of what is going on. After that, 
He said he only wanted to gas traitors, which he expected would encompass no more than 80% of the Jewish population. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to exterminate anybody. 80% of the Jews, maybe. Just the sure, traitors. Sure. About the 80% traitors. of the population. Yeah, communism is the same thing as... Mm-hmm. Uh, Judaism is the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marxism is the same thing as any like any art. Uh, mm-hmm. Leftism, liberalism, it's Cultural all the same. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. latching on to something that's a, a sticking point with people that they're afraid of and they don't understand mm-hmm. and yeah. then like milking Uni- that. Mm-hmm. Unite the right to mm-hmm. defeat to unite the, the right. authoritarian right. left. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, uh, when Rockwell said this little line about gassing 80% of Jewish people in America, this caused many in the crowd to shout at him. One person tried to attack him but was held back. The reporter asked Rockwell how he responded to such rage. Rockwell replied, quote, I'm used to it. They never make such a fuss over communists speaking. It's only when someone is an anti-communist. No, no. No, no. (laughs) There's more to it. (laughs) Is that why? In life, George Lincoln Rockwell was never able to unite the right. But in death, his Mm -hmm. ideas have gone on to have influence at every level of the radical right-wing ecosystem. I would like to close by quoting a paper from the University of Glasgow, The Leaderless Resistance, George Lincoln Rockwell, and the White Separatist Movement. Quote, The advantage of history and political context allows an accurate appraisal of Rockwell and American Nazism. Rockwell, as a phenomenon, has never been equaled in the American far right, with his panache, charisma, ability to manipulate situations and gain media exposure. Rockwell had little in common with many of his followers who were attracted to the Nazi philosophy he advocated. Prior to Rockwell, the extreme right was an exclusive resort devoid of Catholics and non-Aryan whites. It was Rockwell who ended that exclusivity. I care not what religion, club, area, or class you come from, nor what bit of colored cloth you wave as a flag. We are all under deadly attack. Mm. GLR! (laughs) GLR. GLR. (laughs) Cheer for that guy. That's, um... I mean... Every single time we're on this show. <laughs> yeah, it's hard it's to come up with just... new ways to say, yep. And they acknowledge, like a lot of these groups acknowledge him and are and are aware. He's very of... regularly talked at. He okay. shows up all the time. If you go to Unicorn Riot's database of Discord leaks of all these different yeah, groups yeah, yeah. from Identity Europa, the TWP, it comes up constantly. Sure. They love him. Yeah. They love him. Can't um, get enough. And he's, he's, you know, there's a great book called uh, Everything You Love Will Burn, which is about, mm-hmm. it was about a guy who's like, for like 2011 on to 2016, he was just hanging out with these guys, like Matthew Heimbach and different fascist right-wing guys, and like decided during the 2016 election, oh, I got to write a book about, mm. like, I'm going to I'm gonna do this thing. And Rockwell comes up in that, like he's, a lot of other people have made this connection. He is the, I mean, he, and, 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 you know, even when it's indirect, like with Siege and the Turner Diaries. Right. He's still the guy who was talking to the fucking author of Siege when that dude was fucking 14 years old. Right. He's the guy who gave William Pierce his first newsletter and, you know, started him on the path to writing the Turner Diaries. He is patient zero of the fucking plague that killed 11 people in the Tree of Life synagogue that led Christopher Hassan to plan a massacre. And it's going to be behind the massacre that may have happened by the time this episode drops. Mm -hmm. So, GLR. Go lose, fucker. <laughs> well, fucker. That I know. I, I was going. I was going for. It looks like an R. We've been at this for a while. Curve. Go lose. Get r- lost. Get lost. Something. One pump. <laughs> <laughs> get lost, Rockwell. I don't know. Get lost, Rockwell. There you go. That was good. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're. 
I liked his reaction. Robert's reaction was <laughs> mm-hmm. much better than yours. I'm still Jeffy. upset at my failure. <laughs> I know. Wow. I mean, my brain feels a little mushy from all of that. Yeah, it but hurts. But also um, horrified. <laughs> Mushified. Mushified. Um, I choose to not learn anything from this, though. Yeah, um, no, this is the right decision. Uh, all this history um, sort of seems relevant, but I'm going to push it out of my mind. I'm not going to. Sure. Ignore it. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to ignore it. It'll probably be fine. I think it'll be fine. Probably be fine. Uh, history's for losers. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a quote. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote about history is, those who uh, learn from history shouldn't say anything because it's not important. This is uh, what Lindsay from You're the Worst says about history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever history, you happened already. Let it go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh uh, 21st century right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, if you care about history and are worried about all this stuff, I have an audio book. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot more that I had to leave out because I wrote 13,000 words about right. George Lincoln uh, Rockwell. There's a whole lot more. Uh, Christian identity, talking more about Siege and the Turner Diaries, and a bunch of other stuff that we did not get to that explains <sighs> Dylan Roof and mm-hmm. all these other fucking yeah. mass murderers. Uh the, the audio book that I'm working on is called The War on Everyone. You can go to GoFundMe, look up The War on Everyone, donate. I'll make that audio book, and then I'll use the money to go stare at these people at rallies and ask them <laughs> difficult questions. Leading up to the 2020. And then I'll uh, do the stuff disaster, into, yeah. yeah. Woo! Yeah, the worst year of everybody's life. <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I, I really feel like the Democrats are going to get it together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting theory. <laughs> that seems historically like what they'll do. Yeah, yeah. I have is, a lot of faith is, in is that. Everyone will get behind one candidate. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll do a great job of campaigning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news media won't breathlessly cover uh, the lies that the the president says about that oh, candidate. Okay. okay, okay. Uh, there will be no more fighting in the streets. Oh, okay. Um, okay and okay. then we will elect uh, an actual being of light who descends from mm-hmm. the sky mm-hmm. and is just mm-hmm. the the reincarnated soul of Mister Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, who will who will uh, lead us into a future of national health care and moderate uh, environmental. Activism, so Modern. that we can stop the nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I have to say, Bisexual when icon, you Mr. said Rogers. confidently that you think the Democrats will get it together, my heart um, lifted a little bit, <laughs> and then you kept talking. <laughs> I mean, they might. <laughs> they no, I think what you're saying might. is. Um, I mean, I'll say this: in 2008, when like before Barack Obama was like the candidate, yeah. I was looking at him and Hillary duking it out and I was like oh the Democrats are gonna fuck it up and after mm-hmm. eight years of George W. Bush we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get fucking this this mess yeah. Yeah. and then the best political candidate of my lifetime our best at least political campaign of my lifetime yeah. happened maybe yeah <laughs> well I mean we don't know it all everything starts so soon now yeah it's yeah. like it's March <laughs> The year before it's, it's, the actual it's, it's, election. It's like, March, and by my count, 146 million people are running for president. Under, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sherrod <laughs> Brown just said he's not running anymore. So, oh, okay. bye. oh, good. That's yeah. Good. Oh, good. good. I support good. less I support people that. running yeah, for president. I do good. like him. I mean, I don't like his you policies. Just like his voice. I like his voice. Well, he seems like an affable he man that I'd enjoy dinner with. I wasn't going to vote for him. Yeah. <sighs> Anywho. We need more um, coffee billionaires. Yeah. I think that'll help. Oh, man, that coffee billionaire. Because mm. if there's one thing, I don't have a joke. <laughs> one pump. It'll be fine. It'll be good. <laughs> one, one, cream. one cream. One cream. One cream for one pump. 
I think we've come up with the slogan that's going to win in No matter who, no matter who the <laughs> candidate is. Yes. Well, just a I believe in one pop, one cream. I, no, I'm, I'm imagining, Cody, picture this in your mind's eye, half a million people crowding the streets of Washington, D.C., flooding the National Wall, their hands on placards, mm-hmm. shouting at the White mm-hmm. House in one voice as one people, one, one pump, pump, one, one cream. cream. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's one pump, one cream, not one cream, one pump. Yeah, I see that. I see that very vividly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I see the, uh, uh, like a phoenix, America. <laughs> Rising, rising from the ashes above, above the uh, the powdered the powdered cream the powdered ashes. Cream, sure, sure. Uh, the the Ted Cruz come. <laughs> that, uh... Oh, how did we get here? Mm. Why? Well, I, I, it's three hours of this. Yeah. So you guys, got here. you guys want to plug your pluggables before we start saying something crazy? <laughs> More than anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, uh, internet. Yeah, People. we do a weekly. We do weekly uh, YouTube podcast. Uh, weekly wait, podcast. Weekly podcast called Even More News. Um, we do a weekly uh, YouTube show called Some More News. Um, Google that. You can we support it a, via patreon.com yeah. slash some more news. That's a good job. Yeah. We did well, it. We should just like designate one of us to do this each episode. Each episode. I like <laughs> chaos. <laughs> Hierarchy Bye. is a cancer. Do it this way. Some, some more Patreon news. Patreon.com. Hit me on the internet. Katie Stoll at katiestoll.com. Beautiful. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. Mr. Cody on Twitter also. I'm Robert Evans. I'm I'm right okay on Twitter. Uh, you can find this podcast at BehindTheBastards.com. You can find t-shirts if you want a t-shirt. I'm sure we'll have a one, <laughs> one cream shirt. Oh, yeah. Can we get it in a tank? <laughs> can we get it? Of course, we can get it in a tank. A top. wallet. You a know, wallet. Gotta, stickers. Yeah. Put them on everything. One pump. I want like a Rosie the Riveter on there. Uh, Not her exactly, but. Uh, you can find all the sources for this on our website, BehindTheBastards.com. I'm Robert Evans. Until next time, for the love of God, if you remember nothing else, remember one pump, one cream. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.